0: Make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And with that, let's continue with your show.
1: Creating personas based on extensive research is a great tool to understand the needs, desires, and the pain points of the users and create empathy within the team. But crafting consistent and emotionally positive experiences also requires a service design approach with a deep understanding of the system and all its stakeholders. It can help designers understand the different levels and how they're interconnected to create a seamless and enjoyable experience for the end user. So how can designers create a seamless and emotionally positive experience to gain trust of the users? To know more about this theme, in this episode, we interact with Kadambari Sahu, Senior Vice President Design at Value Labs. With over a decade's experience in the design industry, she is an international award-winning designer and leader with expertise in interaction design, design thinking, user interface design, team building, and much more. And that's why, on our journey of discovering design we talk to her about striving towards perfection by design. Hello, Kadambri. Welcome to Avantika Designering Podcast Series. It's a pleasure to host you on our show today.
2: Thank you, Rohit, for having me here. I'm equally excited to share, uh, share my experiences with you.
1: Super. So, Kadambri, before we get into the world of design and things that you've been doing, let's start with an interesting icebreaker we have heard philosophers and design thinkers saying that to solve impossible problems improve the quality of your thinking now better thinking problem solving and reasoning are skills that can be developed through learning new frameworks and expanding our mental models however the question that i have for you there is how can designers open their minds improve their quality of mindset to harvest the best ideas and refine them to fit in, say, um, the real world constraints? Uh,
2: So that's a very interesting question, Rohit. Uh, uh, For me, I think, uh, um, how do I expand or how do I go about this is uh, by opening myself to newer uh, experiences and perspectives. I think as a designer, it is is extremely important to be broad thinkers uh, and to identify things that can be challenging uh, in terms of, you know, uh, understanding other people and their belief and that's why I believe that it is important for us as designers to challenge our uh, our belief system through observation, through heated discussion, through arguments because these are the things which uh, you know makes us expand our thought processes, bring about new frameworks uh, of thinking. Questioning everything critically has also been uh, one of the way I think it's, it's very important uh, for designers to look at any given problem uh, and think about it, that expands, uh, uh, you know, in terms of how we can do problem solving, or how can we go about, you know, uh, looking at uh, expanding uh, mental models and understanding people. Um, I think a, another way is to read, uh, consume a lot of various medias, watch movies, travel, try to understand different cultures, and do that. this all uh, by examining it critically and non-judgmentally. Because, uh, it's it's not just about consumption it is also about uh thinking about it reflecting and understanding so that's that's the way i think uh, uh one can you know expand their uh, uh you know thinking and be uh, improve their uh, uh improve their reasoning and thinking abilities so yeah and i think the the biggest uh thing is to stay curious and be learner for the life
1: well that's quite some sound advice and and very interesting to set the context of how this conversation is going to be. And while Kadamri, you shared with us in terms of how do you actually uh, build an interesting mindset and um, ensure that you are able to tackle the real world constraints, let's deep dive into your uh, experience. I mean, having an experience more than a decade, you founded the award-winning design team user experience group at Value Labs and currently leading 50-plus designers to create world-class and award-winning products and services to impact business positively. From your D-school education to being the Senior Vice President design at Value Labs, we're excited to hear about your professional journey. How has it all worked for you over the last couple of years?
2: Wow, this is a this is a like a really like answer which can actually go about <laughs> like an hour or so. I'll try to keep it short though. Um, so my journey actually started before design school uh, when I wanted to enroll into one uh, because being an engineering uh, graduate, I did not know that design even existed. Um, it was uh, a serendipitous encounter uh, of a graffiti which uh, said rooted in design, which actually got me thinking that what is design and how is circuit design, being an electronic engineer, getting into rooted in design. And then that question to a friend uh, exposed me to the world of design. And that point of time that another friend of mine was a mechanical engineer, and they had design methodology, so he could tell me something about it. And that got me hooked. I was like, wow, this field is so interesting. And I also come from like a background where i'm extremely uh, like my family comes from a very creative background so this was something that i wanted to do uh, like i was enchanted uh, towards this field but i did not know how to go there and you know looking at the people who apply to design schools with amazing portfolio great sketching skills i always thought i was never good enough so i just applied and i got through nid which was like the biggest shocker of my life at that point of time Uh, and when my mom said that you have got through NID, I said, please read. It might have been written, not got through. My mom said, I know uh, how to read English. Don't act smart. That was the first surprise that I had, and since then, I have had many surprises like this where I have literally uh, achieved more than I thought I could, Um, and it started with the first design uh, journey step, which was getting into design, and then you know the phenomenal two years of, amazingness uh, of new media design, where I studied uh, at NID, and this was one of the most influential times of my life uh, in terms of a person that I was becoming. Um, It it helped me change everything that I thought was sacred. Um, The classes uh, like media studies and the classes that we had uh, in terms of ethnography changed my perspective towards everything in life. Um, and our mentor, Dr. Jignesh Khakar, who made this as a habit where, you know, everything that I thought I couldn't achieve, first he made that as a goal. And as soon as you achieve that, after crying and getting up and whatever, you know, in between feeling insufficient, as soon as you reached that goal, he said that you're almost there and gave you another impossible, you know, sort of brief to go after which uh, in a way made me cry a lot made me feel that I was totally insufficient I can never be good enough but at the same point of time with all the push magically somehow and you know working hard towards it I could achieve it and then again there was another goal which also meant that there is no final destination it's it's just you know that you are going to get from one part to another so Apart from that, there were like immense learning uh, at NID uh, with, you know, students, fellow students who were very different uh, from me and extremely talented, uh, which, which, which made you question that are you even like, you know, would you be able to go ahead in life? But thankfully, you know, I had like a lot of creative confidence in me saying that, okay, they are best in what they are doing. But as an individual, I have some of the best qualities. So I never let Uh, anything overwhelm me or decide that, uh, uh, you know, I won't be good enough. So I think that really helped me because uh, you'll find in life that there are many talented people and, uh, you know, you can't compete with everything, but uh, staying true to what you are uh, would eventually, you know, become a strength of yours. So from design school, I, uh, and my internship again was very influential, which I did with Charvi Design Labs, where I was not treated like an intern at all. I was treated like a partner in, in the company and uh, as a core team member, which again gave me a lot of confidence. Um, and the project itself, you know, uh, that we were trying to do at that point of time, it was way ahead of a time uh, when we were looking at Kinect and you know we were creating these interactive installations. And the kind of creative high that I got from that. And the confidence, I started my own studio with a uh, fellow designer. Um, I ran it successfully. And then I ventured into uh, like a corporate life uh, through TCS. Again, uh, TCS was a very different experience from running your own company or or your own practice. Um, There also I learned a lot, uh, uh, specifically like, you know, understanding that how such big organization where three lakh plus employees are and how to create experiences uh, for them. So that was an amazing experience that I had. And uh, for the first time in my life, I also got through a fellowship and traveled outside India to San Francisco. So here my life was changing in a way that uh, just from coming from a middle class uh, 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 family from Mumbai, um, you know, I was experiencing now something which is, which is not really uh, similar to my culture, um, you know, going abroad. And, you know, looking at different sort of experiences there. Um, so that was my first encounter with, uh, with, you know, a very different culture and different geography, um, which positively impacted uh, in my own life. From there, uh, then I went to Pramati, uh, which again gave me amazing experience in terms of leading a product. Um, Pramati was uh, another amazing experience and one of the most influential again. Uh, Because this was the first time that I was leading a a product, um, like a software product. I had a team um, which was working along with me. I was working with an engineering department and passionate people all over. The kind of, uh, I still remember the kind of fights that we used to have with with engineers uh, at that point of time. And and they were good friends, uh, to be honest. And we all knew that we are, you're fighting because we want the best, uh, uh, you know, uh, for the product. So it was amazing experience to work with passionate people out there, do a lot of experiments uh, and, you know, uh, succeed. Um, and we were very happy because one of the things that we did was a major UX overhaul for WaveMaker. Uh, at that point of time, it was called Clear Glass Release, which was uh, predominantly a, a, a UX uh, overhaul of the whole product. We And we did not look At the product from just the end user's perspective, but the whole system thinking was involved, uh, service design was involved, and when uh, even branding was there, so it was like a amazing uh, uh, you know piece of work that we could do. Still very proud of that work. And after that, when I was comfortably settled in Pramati in terms of you know loving the people that I uh, you know work with, the product I work with, I got an opportunity from Value Labs to establish my own design organization at Value Labs. And that was the thing, uh, uh, that got me, uh, you know, very interested in changing the company and I came to value labs and ever since then, um, uh, uh, you know, I have grown this, uh, team here, uh, which is called user experience group and the whole design practice at value labs defined everything, uh, from roles to, you know, the processes as to how the kind of projects we will take, uh, what we will do and, uh, so it it, has, it was extremely gratifying to start with you know from the scratch uh, at Value Labs to now lead a team of 66 plus uh, actually designers here um, and establish a whole practice from a practice which was so new in three years we have actually won 122 awards so far so that's another amazing feat that we could do making sure that and most of these awards are international so you know um, getting this kind of validation from all over the world for the products that we are designing and uh, uh, we are very proud that we are not just into one particular digital but we create digital physical experiences uh, and which is holistic and service design led um, so that's another thing that i'm extremely proud of uh, in terms of Valley Labs that uh, we are very free to do uh, what we want to do um, and people here again are so amazing and inspiring that you want to continue to do a lot of things as design team. Also, uh, we always think that, you know, what we can do more than uh, what we are doing in business. And that's why as a team, we came up with design inspire also, which is another journey uh, where we're trying to look at how can we positively impact design community by giving back to society. So, yeah, this has been my journey so far.
1: (laughs) wow that is quite some incredible journey in fact so many interesting experiences that have actually uh, you know shaped you into 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 the individual that you are um, and that too at at, at, at such a young um, age uh, in and, and and in such a limited time in fact in the year 2018 kadambri you founded sniffing out the differences collective which started with the grant received from prince Laws Fund and British Council to explore storytelling through multi-sensory installation focusing on smell interactions. Can you tell us more about the kind of projects you do and what approach you follow to execute these creative ideas there?
2: So sniffing out the differences started with a thought that smell is a cultural heritage. Uh, and that point of time, the, the open call that came out uh, from Prince Claus Fund and British uh, Council was that uh, they wanted to explore stories or installation or arts, uh, which goes beyond uh, beyond just cultural heritage. So we contemporary take beyond cultural heritage was their call. And they wanted to explore stories in that. And at that point of time, I thought that, wow, uh, I mean, I, I'm a person who has a very uh, sharp sense of smell. Um And I I always knew that smells are not just perfumes, like, you know, and also they have a lot of cultural significance. And I wanted to explore this, uh, uh, you know, thing uh, about uh, smells. So another theme which I explored within this was apart from smell being a cultural heritage was identity and differences that often leads to xenophobia. Um, And thus sniffing out the differences explored these stories of identity and differences uh, with this novel medium of smells. Uh, so we created five stories in that, uh, uh, starting with uh, uh, diversity in us. Then there was Jalinwala Bag, identity stories, Meer Abdul Adderwala, and Zeno 500. These were part of uh, the exhibitions that we did. Uh, we still continue to create a lot of uh, different stories with, uh, uh, you know, social message. And each of these stories had, you know, a, a message, social message, um, which was explored through medium of smell. So it's, it's it was a very innovative uh, take on, you know, creating stories and narratives which talk about, uh, you know, things that matter uh, currently. Um, in which diversity in us uh, tried to talk about my own uh, experience and how our modern conception of identity is, where I always become perplexed when people ask me, where are you from? And I've lived in various cities and I don't think that, you know, only one city can describe my cultural identity. So to uh, you know, start, talk about this that you know our modern cultural uh, identity is amalgamation of all the places that we have lived so far. I created diversity in us, which talked about smell, uh, a festival, and the cultural composition, uh, which was explored through you know medium of smell. You could identify a certain city uh, and you know festivals related to it. Um, the second was Jallianwala Bagh, uh, which was actually a remediation of you know uh, the massacre into Seven Jars, uh, which had the episodes of jallianwala Bag, And the idea was to mirror the past with current, uh, you know, the present uh, where people are becoming polarized. And just to give them a warning that when you become extremely polarized, um, you know, you start stripping uh, others of the personhood. And then there can be a lot of crimes uh, and massacre that can be, you know, uh, committed. So jallianwala Bag was that take. Identity stories explored uh, stories of two uh, protagonists who lived in different regions widely and it was a uh, a commentary on how these days you know in some of the cities when people from other city comes in or other places come in there are violences uh, that they have seen and uh, this whole thing was talking about that if we've lived in so many cities and we call that uh, that city our home then who is the other and who gives anybody the right to you know uh, do such kind of violences? So it was it was that kind of take that we took in um, uh, these stories. We also explored culture uh, of all these cities where these two protagonists were. Mir Abdul Latif uh, is based on the struggles of people in war region um, in Kashmir, and it used poetry and perfume to talk about these struggles. Uh, that was another extreme, uh, uh, another uh, extremely good. Uh, um installation that was done um, as part of sniffing out the differences and then the the, the last one was zeno 500 which was a speculative narrative which treats xenophobia as a disease and suggests a remedy which will spark more questions than it actually answers and this was not alone i started sniffing out the differences with the thought but then along came my team um, uh, we had uh, uh, me then sandeep uh, Mulga party gorav Karan karantudeja Devanshu bhomik Anuja, Pranshu, and there were a lot of other, Archana. So all of these people contributed towards this particular collective. We still continue to brainstorm and bring about some more stories. Um, The best part about sniffing out the differences, because it was a lot of olfactory research. You're trying to understand smell, manufacturing some of them, and uh, create narratives. Uh, It was extremely gratifying. It used a lot of different disciplines of design, starting with interaction design, research, uh, then exhibition design, installation design, and all of these things, we were do- not the only one to think that this is multi and transdisciplinary uh, project. But the projects, uh, I mean, this project has won lot of uh, awards, including the Red Dot German Design Award, Communication Design Award, uh, Communication Arts uh, in Interactive Print Awards for Environment, and many many others. So uh, one of my uh, favorite projects so far. Um, which which breaks the boundaries between you know dif- different disciplines of design to create a, a holistic experience and narrative um, which has a power to you know contribute towards society by questioning people. So this is what sniffing out the differences is.
1: Hey, did you know Value Labs digital flywheel, driven by imagine framework, aids organizations by integrating business strategy, User experience, analytics, automation, and product development to build sustainable commercial momentum—all by design. Wow, this is this is really incredibly uh, very unique something that we've not come across. In fact, while you were talking about it, and while 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 uh, you landed up, uh, you know, talking about. Uh, how you've lived in different places, uh, different cultures out there. One of the keywords that I got hooked onto is that of research. The excitement of research is often wound up in the energy of seeing people's reaction in the wild. And to solve their problems, designers have to immerse themselves by being there right where the action happens to uncover behaviors, frictions, or say even patents. Mm -hmm. And remote research feels like a poor substitute, a weak limitation of the real world. What I wish to know from you, Kadamri, next is, what are your views on this? How did you and your team bridge the gaps and friction in the remote research process?
2: So, like remote research has its own challenges and because of the pandemic, you know, it became the norm uh, for this particular time to, you know, uh, go about uh, having remote research but I think in current times the technology uh, had really eased it a little while it cannot totally substitute the real presence that you get you know to actually interact with people observe them you know while they do their task uh, um, but during these challenging times we were able to leverage you know the digital tools and technologies to circumvent some of these issues so in some cases it actually helped because uh, our presence was not felt and uh, users could still, you know, be comfortable, be comfortable in their uh, home and then, you know, go about, you know, looking at the screens and go about, you know, um, doing the sort of testing that we had asked them like a task or things like that. They went about it and we could interview them. Um, so they were quite comfortable because they were in a familiar place, in a place where, you know, things were happening. Um, um, and we could conduct those interviews and usability in the comfort of their home, um, while we were not directly visible. So that did give, uh, like, you know, some of the things uh, for us to take um, and, you know, work with. At the same point of time, um, because we are in the digital world, that most of our uh, products are also um, digital. now Thankfully, that did not have a lot of implications, but where it had implications, uh, also there. Uh, we had our you know work so for example in one of the products that we were uh you know uh, we were making it required to study like literally how technicians you know work so at that point of time um, we used a lot of different ways uh, of uh, uh, you know sort of doing uh, this first we watched their recordings um so we had like you know taken the permission uh, installed cameras and you know looked at how those people were uh, And really going about doing those things. We did role playing uh, to understand, you know, how uh, nuances and scenarios could be. So these were some of the, you know, ways in which we could, you know, adapt to this uh, this whole thing of, uh, uh, you know, during the pandemic, the remote research.
1: Wow, interesting. And in fact, while you've been talking uh, since quite some time about Value Labs, Mm -hmm. a global technology service and solutions company, that provides end-to-end solutions and customer experience, data analytics, product development, and automation. Under your leadership, its project, Mitchell Intelligent Vision XR Solution has won four awards in different categories at the Muse Creative Awards 2021. Can you share with us briefly the concept and the most challenging part of this project?
2: So this is one of my, uh, another uh, special project uh, for us that we collaborated with uh, Mitchell International, uh, and now it has won eleven awards. So it's it's consistently won lot of awards for very different uh, uh, you know um, very different aspects of design, from strategy to you know uh, user experience to XR. So it has won various awards for its design. Uh, when this started, we were extremely excited because I come from a background of new media, and this was. Uh, Uh, you know, extended reality XR solution that we were looking at and we were also looking at something which is industries first. So it's industries first XR solution applied to collision repair workflow. Now, what does that mean? This means that uh, if anybody has like a a vehicle accident, the procedure they go through from vehicle check-in to check-out in body shop uh, for their insurance claims and then repair is something that this application manages. Uh, The promise of the Henswee headset itself uh, gave us the opportunity to work towards, uh, you know, creating a safe and proper repair for the technicians. So the opportunity to do something, you know, innovative was immense. And uh, so that got us excited. Um, The flip side was that documentation on this device and the, you know, the guidelines or the applications in the market for this particular product was really sparse. Uh, But that again, we took, as an opportunity this this gave us the opportunity to start thinking from the ground up and you know from this uh, scratch so we conducted a lot of experiments we played with the device we collaborated with the experts uh, actually we uh, we had a you know um session with the people who made uh, the real wear glasses uh, so we actually had a session with them. We understood uh, from even, you know, insurance and claims that how this process works. So whole, whole of this whole, uh, uh, you know, sessions were really, um, uh, really good for us to understand the flow in the scenario. Uh, and when we got all of these data points, uh, we started first with solid design strategy and frameworks as to how we would go about solving a problem, which is, uh, which is of this nature. Uh, so we understood nuances and scenarios uh, in terms of, you know, how they are going to, you know, do it. And based on that, we also brainstormed on modality, like, you know, what are we going to use? Um, because the device had speech, it has camera. Um, and when we did that, we also tried to be inclusive uh, and try to make sure that, you know, whoever is using this device is safe and is feeling good uh, There's less, there's no frustration, not just less, but no frustration in terms of, um, and this essentially meant that we played out a lot of scenarios. Not only we uh, observed, uh, had all of these data, but uh, we played out these scenarios. In these scenarios, we came to know about, uh, let's say, uh, privacy concerns when people are dictating. We came to know about a lot of frustrations when you are dictating a 10-digit number. And because this is hands-free device and you're not going to click onto it and you went wrong on the sixth place, do you erase? How do you go about, you know, uh, going about creating experiences? So from macro to micro level, looking at the whole system of uh, insurance and car repair to uh, UI where we're talking about, you know, these kind of frustrations. Um, we, we actually pinpoint each of these scenarios, iterated prototype, tested it out uh, uh, with our stakeholders and, and users. So this is like highly collaborative with engineering team uh, uh, and then, you know, design team sitting there in U.S., uh, design team sitting here in India. We had like such an intellectual high, uh, you know, doing this project. We just, uh, you know, had a great time working, you know, iteratively creating the best possible outcomes. So, yeah, um, we also adapted uh, uh, Mitchell's magnetic design system for this particular device so there was various uh, different level of design disciplines thought processes we also had to see ergonomics so all of these things came together to create the experience uh, that we were looking for for the technicians to do uh, safe repair and for people who are involved uh, to do safe check-in uh, easy and efficient check-in so whole service design aspect and traction design aspect was baked in right to the product to make it successful. And that's got validated with all the different awards that it has won.
1: Wow, this would have been an exciting experience. And while you've been talking about these users, let's step now into the world of the design and ask you a few questions around that theme. And while you've been a user research experience or user experience designer, building personas with the user's name, pain point, needs, and goals is an essential part of the user study. But sometimes team members see it through different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Hence it becomes crucial to add universality to the personas. Mm -hmm. The question that I have for you, Kadamari, is how can designers humanize the personas to create empathy within the team and bring it to life so that the whole team Can easily understand?
2: So, first of all, talking about personas, personas are highly misunderstood concepts for many. Um, Many a times it ends up, you know, the figment of designers' imagination, putting all the stereotypes, uh, what they imagine for the users without uh, a proper research. So, uh, foremost, this is not what personas should be. Persona should be aggregation of behavior that should come after you do careful research and studies on your users. So at uh, uh, UXG, at Value Labs, uh, what we try to do is we generally do it first uh, while we encounter our business stakeholders. We understand what their imagination of their users and people in the system are. We first, uh, we call that as hypothetical, uh, you know, personas. We understand the system. We understand that who are different sort of personas now personas also differ in terms of you know uh, what kind of role they would be doing there are end users there are customers um, right so for example if we take uh, you know a classic example i would take of a, a, a doctor right when you're designing an instrument uh, for a doctor doctor is the end user but the doctor is going to use it on patient right so you need to make sure that there there are two different sort of personas that you're catering this product to. One would be doctor, the other would be patient. And if you're expanding this whole thing to a system uh, you know there would be caretakers as well. So and if they are going to use that, then you know those also need to be considered in, as a part of support persona uh, for this particular ecosystem. We call this uh, eco, uh, eco, you know, ecology of personas uh, at Valley Labs. And we create these different personas and create their goals. uh, uh. So first we do it hypothetical way where we understand like, you know, what business, uh, uh, you know, business stakeholders have uh, in their mind. Then what we try to do is we try to actually do research in terms of, uh, you know, going, recruiting these kind of uh, uh, users and speaking to them. At this point of time, we validate these kind of assumptions which are there. Uh, We try to understand like, you know, what their goals are. Uh, What their tasks are, but uh, more importantly, we try to understand their lifestyle, what the day in their lives are. So all of these, uh, you know, solutions that we are doing is not in the isolation and not in terms of just the context that is given, but understanding a broader picture of their preferences, lifestyle, and then designing for them. So I think for a design team to come together, first, assumptions should be questioned. And all of these things should come from a strong research background, where you're not only uh, just creating something out of imagination, but has, uh, you know, is backed by a lot of research. And those researches aggregated and then created into a snapshot of persona. And it should be rich enough uh, for people to get that kind of imagination so they can then you know sort of uh, start questioning or understanding that and even after persona i think that's not the end of uh, you know making sure that you are understanding your users you need a lot of other techniques to make sure that uh, you know you are validating your assumptions uh, through user testing and creating more uh, you know sort of tests and um, you know during the whole uh, process of designing the solution so that is how we do it uh, uh, as a team uh, we try to make personas and then we test our assumptions through various different uh, uh, sort of uh, methods.
1: Well, interesting. And while you touched upon that, one of the other thoughts that come to my mind is customers demand a consistent, personalized, emotionally positive experience whenever they interact with a brand. Hmm. Customer experience enables brands to craft an experience that will bond customers through a positive emotional connection. What I wish to know from you is what can designers do to make the process seamless, enjoyable, and leave the customers feeling like they made a wise choice uh, by doing business with them? Uh,
2: so I think you know one of the first steps of creating anything uh, is actually understanding. Or creating, I mean by that I meant designing is is understanding understanding is at most important be it your end user and their goals or or system um, and also understanding at various levels not only just your end user you need to understand like the system um, the whole how you know things are involved how people are interconnected what their uh, beyond their needs what are their wants and desires where are their pain points what are the opportunities that can be leveraged to create positive and viscerally viscerally positive experiences for them. So I highly recommend in this regard to create like a, uh, um, to create positive experience, a service design approach where you're not just looking at, let's say the end user, but you're looking at systems, various systems that the user will touch and various stakeholders that are involved because there's nothing in isolation in these days, you know, people are connected uh, and uh, we don't even work in isolation. So anything that you're designing, I'm sure it will touch uh, users, and they will, uh, you know, be using it in in a certain context where they are also connected with other people. So identifying these sort of interconnections is extremely important to create seamless experiences. Because when you understand these nodes, you then you try to understand like you know how it can be best utilized in terms of making sure that efficiencies uh, can be brought in touch points can be created in a way that they are delighting we can also use their lifestyle as an example for making sure that how they're using it is it used in transit is it used as a thing where they're you know using it just as a stance which is a powerful stance where they're not Literally, uh, you know, looking at anything else. It is serious. Is it fun? So all of these things goes in to create a great experience. So I would say start with a macro vision, and then you know, move on to micro, like really nano vision, where you're looking at the uh, interaction and delightful uh, UI, um, and lot of different uh, sort of uh, design disciplines will come into play when you orchestrate these kind of experiences. Uh, it is all about interconnection and creating uh, amazing journeys uh, for your users. And that is how business can create uh, frictionless, seamless and enjoyable experiences for their customers. Understanding that not only how the positive experiences would be, which is called happy path, but also when things fail, how can they create experiences uh, which are, and devices or products and services which are flexible, forgiving, um, uh, you know, for the users. So that is how I think, you know, uh, you can also create trust um, and enjoyable experiences for the the customers.
1: Hey, did you know Value Labs User Experience Group has been awarded the prestigious Titan Business Awards 2021? This demonstrates the strength of their success, which is built on their enthusiasm as a team. For Kadamri Datsan, that's, an, that's a beautiful insight. And and I, I now want to move it to another um, aspect of design. In fact, the landscape of connecting users and their experiences is changing. It has become extremely crucial to keep users connected and engaged in creating fluidity between channels and devices. To achieve this, Designers have started designing for channels instead of users. Actually, since users are the only consistent factor in the scope of experience, the question that I have for you there is how can designers create an omni channel experience, maintaining a seamless sense of connection for the users?
2: Uh, I think you know, designing for channels uh, that's that's a little um. That that should not be the approach, according to me. I I disagree. Just for designers who are just designing for channels, at least we I don't do that. Um, we should always start with users, their lifestyle, how they move, what are their patterns, uh, you know, what they want to achieve, um, how they go about in their day. For example, when we look at creating design strategy, we try always to understand how users are going about their day, how their applications, uh, you know, would be in terms of uh, using. A particular design solution, how would they be interacting and how it will be fitting, fitting their lifestyle and goals and based on that we map out the channel devices messages information and stance of the application to suit them and then create you know. Uh, uh, experiences for uh, this particular you know uh, thing that we are going to design for them, so this is most important part and essential part that comes through research. Um, where we try to understand users, their touch points, channels, devices, and everything. And as we cannot overstress the role of understanding people, I think, you know, I can't overstress this, that, you know, you need to understand uh, the people that you're designing for. Uh, and when you do that, uh, you will you will look at how systems are interacting, how touch points would be. And based on that, then you should create an omni-channel experience. So the goal should be to create great experience not create omni channel experience. The omni channel experience will come because you would be exploring different ways they're interacting, different modes they're interacting, different channels, and then you know understanding that how it can be pieced together to create uh, this holistic experience for them.
1: Wow, well said. In fact, you know while you spoke about this, one of the other areas um, you know that I wanted to bring the conversation to was the world of technology. Although technology is always developed with the best motives, it can amplify flaws such as failing speech recognition system or an AI that can't comprehend any human functions. In fact, as a result, the technology has a blind spot that would not have existed if anyone with lived experience had been interested in its creation. The question that I have for you is how can designers better understand how their products or services can amplify these flaws and proactively recognize blind spots to avoid possible pitfalls?
2: Wow. Essentially, this is one of my favorite questions where, where I always put to myself in, like, in weeks and times again and again, where I say, how can we understand what we do not understand or how do we know what we do not know? Um, very epistemologically, you know, uh, sort of thing. Where so I'm always seeking uh, to understand and learn what I don't even like know right now. So um, these are some of the questions which goes into a little bit of philosophy also. But while you design, um, you know, with the best possible intentions, how it will be used can differ widely, you know. And um, the problem is that sometimes we are creating things which do not have precedence. So even people who are going to use the behaviors that are going to come out of it are something which is going to be extremely new. Um, And this has a potential of creating evils in the society as well. Uh, Talk about, uh, you know, digital addiction, which happened uh, while we wanted to make our user experience as designers, we wanted to make our user experience engaging. It went on to become addiction. So it's a tricky landscape to tread in. Uh, and so I believe, you know, the, the best way a designer can traverse through this is by actively researching, making and testing. And testing not only the product and services, but assumptions and critically examining each and everything that we do uh, in terms of product life cycle. Uh, unfortunately, things are not so simple uh, because sometimes it takes a while to understand uh, how this new and innovative things Uh, um, you know how it will come out what kind of behaviors it will have so at this point of time you need to make sure that designs are flexible Uh, it can be altered you talked about speech right so in many many, uh, in some of the uh, products that uh, you know we have worked and we made sure that there are more than one modality which can be used when let's say your speech fails then how do you go about you know, using a certain another way of doing this, uh, uh, you know, accomplishing your task. This also gets into another field, which is uh, in a way not really another field, but it also gets you into another thought processes of making things inclusive where people might, you know, uh, uh, there are diverse set of users who would be using your uh, products and services. So how can you make it more inclusive and flexible So if one modality or one way of doing thing is failing, how the other can be, you know, used to make sure that still it is making uh, it's not making the users trapped and they still can attain what they want to attain. Um, So I think flexible, uh, adding flexibility, uh, making uh, the designs uh, forgiving for the users, even if they have taken a wrong action to course correct. That's another thing. And always trying to iterate on designs. As I said, you know, in the design school always, uh, you know, when we reached a target, we were set up, okay, now can you improve? And given a different target, uh, I think essentially that has to be uh, in the product and services where you are continuously improving. Because uh, what we are creating sometimes are unprecedented. And when it is unprecedented, you need to make sure that uh, you're getting those feedback and, you know, continuously improving on that.
1: Exciting. I mean, uh, quite well put across in terms of how do you go out and connect the dots out there in terms of balancing between the technology usage, the design, and uh, ensuring that it leads to a great user experience. And Kathamri, that brings us to our last question. At Avantaka University, we've come up with this term, designering, the base philosophy ideology on which we operate. Do you think these two disciplines which is design and engineering can be on same page and is it a need of the art to blend them?
2: Um, I think you know uh, the world today is multi, trans, hetero and anti-discipline. By that I mean that yes uh, more than one discipline is required to create great experiences and to create something. Um, Design, engineering I think we should even be looking at even more disciplines to come together, like philosophy, psychology, hu- more of uh, humanities uh, into things. So yeah, I think it's need of the art to know more than just one way of thinking, uh, just one way of doing things. We need to collaborate, uh, actively learn new uh, ways of thinking, thinking holistically, and, and uh, you know, to create wholesome systems, policies, products, services, and artifacts. So yeah, I think design makes sense.
1: Wow, thank you so much for that validation, Kadambri. This was an exciting conversation with you and uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of learning for our listeners from this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on the show and uh, sharing your experience and your views with our listeners. Uh,
2: Thank you, Rohit, for having me here.
1: Hello, and continuing our conversation with the team of Embed Design, Today, we wish to know from you, Arnav, how do you see user experience as a domain evolving? And what are the exciting areas that we can expect in the user experience domain in the coming days?
3: Thanks a lot for hosting us today and asking that question. And I think to answer that, uh, I think all of the domains, because if you see post COVID, most of the organizations and most of these industries have started adopting UX. Uh, into their businesses and realize the importance of online business. I think ever since the term was uh, brought to a wider knowledge uh, by Don Norman, various industries started adopting it. And it is how a user ultimately interacts with your product, right? Uh, Not just product, but even a service or a system. Now, uh, you know, ultimately, this is a customer's perception of utility, how, how ease... Uh, of use your product is and how efficient your product is, right? Uh, improving UX is important to most of the companies, designers, and creators when creating and refining these things. Uh, we, we are also doing this because uh, in order to avoid any kind of negative user experience uh, that can actually diminish the use uh, of of these products and, and thereby having a major impact in your business uh, goal. Um, but but personally, I feel the major improvement uh, we we all get to see is is in the world of health tech, where uh, post COVID, in order to reduce any possible touch points, people started valuing uh, these markets and actually built a trust uh, towards the same. Right, so. If, if uh, you and me, uh, if, if we have any kind of a medical requirement or any, anything we have to do with medical, there is a digital product uh, which, which is available out there, right? Uh, using which uh, we can actually look into various kind of medicines. We can order them online. We can consult a doctor online without having to meet them. Uh, we can uh, see how we are doing if we are, uh, I- are you know, isolated all of these things are available as a retail product out there and uh, slowly and gradually even the awareness is is uh, coming to people's mind and uh, we see many startups uh, right from the you know uh, finance industry for example cred to edtech like upgrad uh, to social media like clubhouse you know these are the industries which are following agile methodology and implementing ux strategy you know even before they launch a product so um, you know the way they define their customers the competitors the cost leadership how can they be you know uh, uh, how can they be cheaper in terms of their prices uh, as per their competitors and ultimately the idea they, they want to sell uh, is 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 all changing right and everything is getting better and more data driven so um you know, it, it, it is also the zeal of these startups, I feel, uh, in order to create an MVP or MEP, uh, which is minimum viable product or minimum awesome product. Uh, they, they, uh, so by the way, they do these things to, uh, you know, they, uh, to, to, to raise the appropriate funding or in order to actually do user testing uh, and, and all of these activities actually, you know, fuse up this uh, concept. And uh, I think due to the kind of awareness which is created out of uh, uh, the the competitors, the the kind of market uh, where it is leading right now. I think e- even the word of uh, deliveries has a huge impact because if you see post COVID, uh, most of us might have uh, seen you know various kind of businesses going down, but delivery has been there, you know it has never uh, fallen right. So I think even in that industry we see many uh, you know applications and data products which are actually helping users how to track. Uh, all of their data in a single place without having to actually, you know, shift from various uh, platforms. And uh, I, I think, yeah, I think, you know, COVID has changed multiple things for us and how people are adapting to it is uh, really, uh, you know, different. And and I think these kind of awareness and people trying to keep up with the trends uh, uh, makes things getting excited day by day. So, yeah.
0: Hey there, we hope you enjoyed our show. Do write to us on ads at the rate We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hubhopper or wherever you get your podcast from. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.